Local and national sports talk that's fresh, in season, and FDA approved. If it's hot, you'll find it cooking. Mm, delicious. They don't just stir the pot. They add more flavor than the other guys. Yum, yum, yum. Get ready to dig in and taste some sports skillet. You know what I'm tasting? No, I taste victory. Right now. Welcome to the Sports Skillet live stream where we are able to go longer and more in-depth about all the sports topics of the week than we can on the Sports Skillet radio show on Fox Sports Radio 920 The Jersey. But if you want to check us out, we are every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Head over to sportsskilletradio.com, download the app so you get our show Sunday mornings at 11, and also the great content on Fox Sports Radio 920 The Jersey. We want to remind you to give us a like, a follow, and a share on our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so you don't miss out on any of the great content there. And hit the subscribe button so whenever we are live on YouTube, you get all the great content there as well. I am Jay. I'm joined by Joe Ippolito on the show every Friday with us. Uh, Hopefully, we're going to be joined by Mike Nebbia shortly, but if not, it will just be Joe and I this week handling all the great sports topics of the week. And uh, Joe, I guess we can kick it off with the biggest story of the week. It involves the New England Patriots. They went out and signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal, minimum money, NFL minimum. Uh, So, uh, they're not spending a whole lot of money on Cam, although they did give him a ton of incentives in the contract, so it can boost him to over $7 million, a little under $8 million if he meets them all. Uh, what were your impressions wow. of the Cam Newton signing? I can't, I can't say I, w- I w- uh, wasn't surprised. I, I, believe, um, I believe earlier on when we were talking about Cam Newton, why he's not – on the team, I if I believe I did say that the Patriots are the only team that would yep. need his services, but I didn't actually think he'd go. I didn't think he'd fit with, you know, Bill Belichick and his type of coaching. But you know, now now that now the Patriots are set, they already had quarterback was basically the only position that was in dire need. So you know, they're back to being uh, contenders for the division. I would say that they are. Um, do you think there's going to be any chance that Jared Stidham could beat him out for the starting quarterback job? Because, you know, Jared Stidham understands the offense, has been in the system for over a year now, uh, knows the terminology, knows the players that are there. The only thing with Stidham is he hasn't been on the field, uh, whereas Cam has kind of been on the field before, but not in the Patriots offense. Uh, I really don't see it. They signed him to a one-year deal, which means that this is basically a prove-it contract for Cam. And I don't, I don't know. I just maybe, maybe if he starts, maybe if he struggles, they put Stidham. But I just don't think Stidham was ready for the uh, starting quarterback role anyway. And Brian Hoyer, he started before, but he, of course, this is his third stint with the Patriots now. And yeah. He's a he's a backup. That's why he is, and I don't think he probably was split time with Stidham. But there's I don't I don't think there's any way that Stidham starts unless Newton's not fully healthy. 
maybe in maybe if uh, Cam struggles with the terminology, looks a little rusty in training camp, maybe outstate him start week one and then work Cam in maybe in weeks two or three. Maybe. You think but that's a possibility? That's a pos- I guess I could see that, but I'd probably see more if they did that, they would start Cam. And instead of having Sidham teach him, have Brian Hoyer, who's much more familiar with the system. Good. As I said before, he's been with the, had three separate stints with the team. He's played about five years with them. So total. So I think, I think he would be the guy that would, that would be teaching Cam. I think that's why they brought him in. But um, this is, this is essentially Cam's team. They got, they still got, um, they still got that, you know, they don't have a reliable workhorse back. Well, no, I'm wrong. Sony Michelle is there, but he showed some yeah. signs of struggle last year. But if they don't, they have guys like Rex Burke had to bail him out, out of the backfield or James White, who has been one of the most, if you think about one of the most consistent running backs over yeah. the last few years, he's not a great runner, but he's basically another wide receiver. Yep. Now you have an article up on our website. I'm going to tweet it out uh, on our social media accounts uh, mm-hmm. that you gave us. Uh, can you give us a little pre about the New England Patriots? Can you give us a little preview about uh, what's in store for fans when they go to the uh, website? Well, they'll be well. Basically, uh, we all thought that the Patriots were go- were going to tank with their quarterback situation. There was the year where they tanked for Trevor Lawrence. A lot of people thought that was going to happen. And Bill Belichick wasn't trading up and picking quarterbacks in the draft. You know, we thought, okay, they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Now it comes out of left field with this signing. And all of a sudden the bills who most people probably thought were going to win the division. You know, they made the playoffs. I talked about that as they made the playoffs last year. They have a, good young team with a rock solid defense they were but now the bills and the patriots are going to be the ones fighting for the division maybe maybe the jet you know watch out for the jets maybe a little bit they might surprise you uh you know i think sam darnold's going to take some great strides this year uh but it's basically the bills and the patriots right now and i think they're pretty much even teams i did i did do what I did also do, I, I felt that Cam is, was put in the best position to win now because Patriots have a solid offensive line, good supporting cast of weapons, and, you know, a, a, probably the greatest coach of all time at this point. And I, I felt that with Cam Newton signing with the Patriots that the, that the league landscape was pretty much complete, you know, they, it, it was like the last missing piece of the puzzle. And now I, I, I thought you'll see my predictions that I made for the upcoming season. And I'm not going to say who I, yeah. think, who I think's making the AFC East, but you got to remember there's also seven, there's going to be seven teams in the playoffs now. So you got an extra wild card team, you know, only the one seed gets a buy in the first round. Yep. So true. I have that to look forward to they go on the website yep and i mean i kind of agree with you i think maybe the i think the bills are probably still 
uh, in my opinion, I'll let people go to the website to get your prediction, but I, and you could say right or wrong or whatever, but I do think the Bills are probably going to wind up winning the division just because they have a lot of continuity coming back in their offense. They've improved their team a little bit uh, from last season. So I think the Bills are going to be the team to beat just because they're with the NFL cutting back on preseason games that gives yeah. two less games for to work cam into the offense to get him onto the field to get him some action because cams missed significant parts of the previous two years mm -hmm. with the carolina panthers uh with the shoulder injury with the ankle injury so he's missed significant time so he has some rest to work off with two less preseason games to even get him some action on the field that could impact him, also affect his continuity with uh, the receivers, you know, um, mm -hmm. not the greatest wide receivers in the world no. that, that he'll be working He's with. He's going to be relying yeah. a lot on Julian yeah. Edelman and James White, the short passes. Yeah. He's going to be relying on them a lot because, you know, he had sh shoulder surgery, and I don't – I still don't think his, he's, gonna, he's never going to be able to throw the ball deep like he used to. And so he's going to be really relying yeah. on those short to mid routes that Edelman and James White so, you know, specialize in. You know, maybe if the Patriots still the Antonio Brown, maybe it'd be a different story. But, you know, yeah. he's going to be really relying on those two guys. Yeah, I st you know, I'm still a belief that it's going to be a quarterback competition in training camp between Stidham and, and Cam. I, I you know, uh, yeah. just to see who can run the offense most efficiently. Now, I'm not saying Cam is not going to start during the regular season, but I think it will be a little bit of a competition to see who runs the offense most efficiently in training camp. I agree with you. I don't think they're just going to hand him the job. You know, he yeah. has had a 2016, 2018. He, you look, and he didn't miss many games, but that doesn't show how much he was struggling with his injuries. You know, he got into a car accident during that time last year. Yeah. He only played two games, and then, you know, that Kyle Allen took over. And yep. at first did a good job, and then questionable after that. I'm not sure if I – if I – if the this guy crossing the article, it's not just the AFC East predictions. I did the whole NFL. Cool. I did the entire, basically all the way down to who's going to win the Super Bowl this year. I might be a little bit premature, but like I said, I think that the last piece of the puzzle's been filled. I think it. You can now make yeah. an educated guess. I don't think there's going to be many things that are going to shake up the NFL anymore. No, the only thing I could see shaking up teams, shaking up the NFL going forward is the COVID-19 virus. You know, if yeah. a player or a team gets hammered with that, a key player goes out, a quarterback, a yeah. wide receiver, running back, you know, something, a key, yeah. you know, I could see that kind of affecting the NFL landscape a little bit. And you can't really predict that either. Yeah. So when I went about, I went about, by about how I thought the team was going to go. Yep. And uh, the other thing that goes along with this is that around the same time that the Cam Newton news broke, mm -hmm. ju literally just maybe 10 or 15 minutes after that, um, 
the NFL came down with a punishment for the New England Patriots. Uh, they were fined $1.1 million. Uh, they lost a 2021 third-round draft pick, and the Patriots TV crews will not be allowed to shoot games during the 2020 season. Uh, do you find the timeline a little bit curious that the Patriots had to know that this was coming out, that this was going to be released, and literally 15 minutes before that, they broke the news that they were signing Cam Newton. Do you think that was a little curious, or do you think it was just, you know, we're going to announce it now and nothing curious about that at all? Yeah, I could see how some people would think, would think yeah. that maybe – they tried to, you know, cover up this bad news with some with some good news that more people are going to talk about. Yeah. But at this point, it's you know the cheating's it's cheating. But yeah. the Patriots have been fine for this so many times. People and with the signing Cam Newton, people just are going to expect them to or expect them to be good no matter what. So, yeah. I think that's why this story didn't get the the uh the fine and the punishment didn't get as much traction as it maybe like spygate did because yeah. that was but um this is for the patriots in my this is just a slap on the wrist a third round pick is is still very still pretty valuable a lot you could get a lot of good players in the third round still but they'll find their way back in the third round you see what Bill Belichick did this past draft. He traded out of the first round. He just starts stockpiling up on these second, third, and fourth round picks. Yeah. And the thing with Cam Newton is if he has Cam Newton on the team this year, and this is maybe what Belichick is kind of thinking, if he has Cam Newton on the team this year and maybe Cam Newton does well or he doesn't do well or what, whatever the case may be, if he cuts Cam, if it just doesn't work out for whatever reason between the Patriots and Cam Newton, for whatever reason, he can get rid of Cam after the season, just not renew his contract, and get a third-round compensatory pick for Cam. Exactly. So, you know, in the, you know, twenty, you know, in the uh, twenty twenty-one draft. So it's like, okay, you're taking a third round pick away from me. Well, if I release Cam after the season, whatever Cam does, I'll get that, you know, it'll be a year earlier, but I'll get that third round pick back. You know, Bill Belichick always yeah. knows what he's doing. I just, just don't question it at this point. If he thinks Sonny Cam is the best, there's got to be a reason. I mean, obviously Cam Newton can be a very polarizing player. And he's still in his prime at 31. The injuries might have shortened that prime. Yep. Where he might be towards the end of it. But I still think he can contribute. He's still, very, he's still a great mobile QB. You know, we'll see how they incorporate. Because the Patriots aren't really used. The last mobile QB they probably have was Steve Grogan back in the 70s. <laughs> so, and so... They, yeah. uh, they're not – so maybe Belichick hasn't implemented a mobile QB system before. So, you know, we'll see what he, we'll see what he does. Maybe incorporate a little op – some option plays into there. You know, I could see they're running – the Patriots running backs being pretty good at an option play if they learn it. You yeah. Know, like that the, – the type of build they are, it just seems that way. Yep, and – 
you know, so uh, that's pretty much the news on the uh, New England Patriots for this week. Uh, I think it's a great trade for both sides. You know, it gets Cam back onto a team that can help him rejuvenate his career. And even if he doesn't, even if Stidham bring, beats him out in training camp, as long as he gets the Bill Belichick seal of approval as to, you know, Cam's still a good quarterback. I think he still has a place in the league. I think it'll, even if the Patriots elect not to resign him, I still think, you know, another team will reach out to him, even if he winds up being the backup for a couple of games or backup for the season or whatever. I still think he'll have a place in the league somewhere as long as he gets the Belichick seal of approval. So it can work out for Cam. He has a place in the league. It can work out for the Patriots because if Cam has this big chip on his shoulder and is motivated and is driven and shows that he can work within the Patriots framework, uh, I think that'll work out for the Patriots too because then they get, you know, a rejuvenated, a rebuilt, a re-motivated Cam Newton to show the league that he still has what it takes. Yeah, and obviously this might I, – I also mentioned this. Yeah. I – article that this is like this could possibly be the closest we ever see to MVP cam I'm not saying he's going to be like that because I don't think he's ever going to return to that form again but this could be the close this could be the closest he's that he's uh that he ever gets to and ever since 2015 like he's he's had he's dealt with a lot of adversity and he's had to He's almost sort of like he's not been able to run as much because of the aforementioned ankle injury that was hampering him for a while. So he's not that that 2015 season is peak. Yeah. But Bill Belichick prop, probably sees some of him. He thinks that Cam that Cam's still a very good quarterback. He's probably I would say that Cam could definitely still be a top 15 quarterback in the league. Oh you yeah, know? I think so. Top 10 at his peak if he has a really good year this year. Oh, yeah, I think so. And I, I think, you know, that would work out. And if he is that quarterback, that would work out tremendously well for the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. It, absolutely, it absolutely would. Um, the other piece of news uh, just came out uh, that the Robert Crabb uh, sex spot uh, case, you know, is still ongoing. It's still yeah. – legal system uh he hasn't gotten away with anything yet uh the update to that is that um the that it will continue on next week uh within the within the legal system um they're they're uh going to court over whether or not uh the tape uh of robert Kraft can be shown to jurors can be used in the case against robert Kraft. uh one judge ruled that it was inadmissible in the case um now the um state of florida is coming back and has appealed that so the appeal judge just have said we're going to continue this case next week so they haven't issued a ruling on it. Um, Kraft was busted back in February 2019 to let everybody know how long this case has been going on. Uh, was charged with two counts of soliciting prostitution. Uh, he could still, Robert Kraft could still face jail time if he's convicted on the charges. So uh, that will be ongoing. Um, 
you know, do you think this case is ever going to end, Joe? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it has to end sometime. Yeah. Um, the, the fact of should they distrib- should the video be released? Yeah. Probably not because it's that basically be like distributing pornography and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know there's gonna be there's gonna be some some horny people out there trying to find the <laughs> video but yeah uh, I would I would uh-huh. rather not a video of that be out on yeah just well you on know because once it's out there it's, it's out, out there, there. yep yeah, yeah I mean what what the legal argument was um, by Robert Kraft's lawyer and why the video. Uh, was deemed inadmissible in the case was that um, after the police got a warrant to install the video cameras um, inside the spa, uh, the judge ruled that the, that law enforcement did not do enough to protect the innocent customers that went to the spa to get a legitimate massage. Not enough was done to protect them. Uh, from being on this, you know, videotape that the uh, law enforcement had installed in, in the room. So that's why that original judge ruled the tape inadmissible. Uh, State of Florida is trying to uh, get the tape back into the court case. So uh, they're going to rule on that maybe next week, and then we'll see how the case proceeds or if they decide to settle with Robert Kraft or – uh, so the Patriots uh, have a lot going on there within that locker room. Um, uh, switching over to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a ranking that came out. I think it was done by uh, CBS uh, of the coaches within the NFL. And uh, they took a look at the history of the coaches and they put out a ranking system of the coaches and what got a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans rankled up and in a lather was that uh, Sean McVay of the Rams was ranked ahead of Doug Peterson of the Philadelphia Eagles. So, um, you know, so I'll go to you and I'll say, you know, do you think Doug Peterson is a top 10 uh, head coach in the NFL? I think based on what he's been able to accomplish in his short time of head coach, I think he probably is a top 10 head coach, but I'll be interested to get your opinion on it. I would definitely, I would definitely say so. He, um, you know, he's won a Super Bowl recently yeah. and he's, he's one of few active uh, head coaches with a Super Bowl win. So, yeah. um, you know, looking at purely winning percentage, including the playoffs, he's ninth right now and I think he's better than some of the guys ahead of him like Mike McCarthy and Sean McVay because even though McCarthy does have a Super Bowl under his belt I I think he I, it was more the team than him if that makes sense a and little McVay, bit of Aaron Rodgers and McVay is a great he's a great head coaching mind uh, I just think that Super Bowl that Super Bowl win puts him over McVay, McVay yeah. obviously made a Super Bowl. He lost, but uh, you know Doug Peterson did beat the Patriots, unlike the Rams did. Um, yeah. but I would say I would definitely say Doug Peterson's a top ten coach. He's probably somewhere. He's probably somewhere around seven, ranked probably around seventh or eighth. Okay. 
Good section. enough. And, you know, and the thing with Doug Peterson is you look at what he's had to overcome. Even the year that he won the Super Bowl, how many injured player, key injured players were not playing for him that year and how often he's been able to figure something out and get his team at least into the playoffs, if not win the division. Exactly. Yeah. He might he's – he's also a bit of a gutsy play caller in terms of especially yeah. I notice he goes for on fourth down a good amount, which some people some people like, some people don't. He, I would say yeah. that he probably converts it at least half the time on fourth downs. You know, I think you need a little bit of that gutsy – that gutsiness in you and yeah. you know I would think any any team would be lucky to have him he's learned from Andy Reid and not prop, the greatest coach in Eagles history and you know he you know I just but he he learned from Andy Reid yeah but he brought but he brought a different style than Reid did you know yeah. maybe maybe more reminiscent of earlier in Reid's career um but uh, I, like I said, I like the Giants right now. Like I'm curious to see what Joe judges, but I would take Doug. Don't Peterson. Mind. So I would take Doug Peterson in a heartbeat. He's oh yeah, he can win. Oh, definitely, and keep a team together throughout any kind of adversity. You know, I, I think he's definitely a top ten uh, head yeah. coach with it within the NFL. That's another thing that we're keeping the team together. That's it great point because he is a great all his players love him yeah like you, you have to win the locker you you have to win on the field and you have to you have to win the locker room too and the players love him they respect him and they'll do it they'll do whatever he says I've never I I can't recall any player speaking ill of Doug Peterson's uh personality yeah and the one thing too you don't you rarely hear about is players, like you said, speaking ill of Doug Peterson, but wanting off of the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, yeah. like, like we see what's going on with the New York Jets and everything. And you're going to have contract issues come up. It happens with every team, but yeah. uh, you don't see Malcolm Jenkins, uh, team leader, left the Eagles this year. Um, hasn't spoken ill of, I mean, was in Philadelphia, you know, doesn't speak ill mm -hmm. about the Philadelphia Eagles or Doug Peterson. Uh, you see Jason Peters, a mainstay on the Eagles offensive line, uh, still out there in free agency. And he could have spoke up about the Philadelphia Eagles. Why, you know, belly aching, why aren't they giving me a contract? whatever, but he hasn't spoken ill about the Eagles at all. You rarely hear that, you know, with a player leaving the Philadelphia Eagles about them speaking ill of Doug Peterson or criticizing him or anything like that, which I think is also a testament of his uh, coaching ability. Mm -hmm. You know, keeping, exactly. the, keeping the team together. Uh The other thing came out, the NFL has cut two preseason games. We Brought it up a little bit earlier here. Cut two preseason games out of its schedule. So now instead of four, they're going to be down to two. Uh, how much do you think this will affect teams this year, not being able to go out and play those two preseason games? I know a lot of the times the starters are not playing in the preseason game, but now you only got two uh, that they're going to be playing. You have a lot of head coaches with new quarterbacks and new players on their teams 
this year. Uh, you look at the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott has been there, but not Mike McCarthy. You look at the Washington Redskins, which I'm going to bring up in a minute or two. Uh, they have a new head coach in there. Even the New England Patriots, Belichick is there, but you have the new quarterback in Cam Newton or a rookie quarterback in Stidham. Uh, Maybe they could – and you had no OTAs before this. You just had the Zoom meetings between the coaching staff and the players. I mean, could they have used these additional preseason games this year to build that continuity between coach and player, between, play, between quarterbacks and uh, skill position players? And they're not going to have them this year. They're going to have – you know, they'll still be in camp, but they're not going to have that game situation to kind of show them, okay, and the lower end of the roster, too, I think this will affect, too, because a lot of those games affect the bottom half of the roster, those guys that help you out on special teams, those guys who are winning jobs maybe for the practice squad. I mean, everything's going to be kind of rushed, I think, in these two uh, preseason games that they're going to have, but it was done because of the COVID-19 virus. They want to keep players safe, but could this have an adverse effect as well? Yeah, definitely. I am worried a little bit, honestly, because this, um, you know, especially the, the preseason time, there's 75 players maximum on the preseason roster, and you got to cut that down to 53. So it's – you know, now they only got two weeks to make these decisions. Some of these decisions are very hard. And also, you could argue more preseason, preseason games leaves more opportunity for players to get injured. But having less can also leave that, especially because people haven't been in training camp. Like, the, the preseason game, like, would be – or, you know, are very important now especially, and I just don't – I'm worried that there's going to be more injuries this year, like more yeah. maybe unnecessary injuries. And, yeah. you know, you know, I'm worried, that's what goes with all sports too. This could definitely happen for baseball with, you know, especially with, uh, pit, with uh, pitchers, they get injured a lot. You know, I, this is, but this has to be done. I, this was the right move for now, but, I I want sports to happen, but a little part of me yeah. is telling me like maybe this isn't just isn't the year. But you know these teams need to make need to make money. They want to they want to have the season. Sports are a way for people to escape. So you know let yep. the just let the season play out. Yeah, I hear you. I definitely hear you. And like you were saying with the two preseason games, like you say, with everything getting sped up, now you're going to maybe work in more of the inexperienced players, the bottom half of your roster, and they're going to be going full speed. You know, you may have uh, another team may have their starters still in the game to get them some experience. Another team may be saying, I want to look at the bottom half of my roster because I'm trying to fill out, you know, uh, the 53 man and those guys inexperienced, maybe they're going to go full board because to them, it's like, if I don't go all out, I'm not making this team. And all of a sudden you have a player getting hurt. Like you said. Yeah. 
you know, exactly. you know, not only do I have to worry about the COVID-19 virus, but they have to worry about that as well, you know. Um, so that's going to be uh, one thing to monitor going forward. Um, another thing that came out this week um, within the NFL circles is Rod Woodson um, went public uh, this week saying that he's being discriminated against, uh, not because of the Black Lives Matter. Maybe that could be a thing, maybe not. But that wasn't what he said. He said he's being discriminated against because he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, he wants to coach within the NFL circles. He wants to get a job on a team, uh, wants, even if it's as an assistant coach somewhere. You know, He's not asking to be a full-on head coach. He's willing to, apparently willing to accept an assistant coaching role on on a team uh i'm sure he has you know i'm sure he has his idea of what team he teams he would like to go to you know would be his dream teams but he obviously he's obviously he'll go to just about any team to be an assistant coach i think he would make rod woodson the hall of fame player i think he would make a great assistant coach on a team but he said because he's a hall of fame player uh, that's putting off or that's scaring away some head coaches from hiring him and people like him uh, for being a part of their coaching staff. He mentioned uh, that Mike Munchak is the only member of the Hall of Fame uh, currently coaching. Uh, he mentioned Ed Reed as wanting to coach as well on a team. And again, he's not being hired. Um, do you think there's anything to this? Joe. You know, at first when I read when I read about it, I didn't I thought he was being ridiculous. Like why yeah. why would being a Hall of Famer scare you off? But maybe being being hired as an assistant, you know, I think Rod Woodson would make a good coach. And, you know, maybe a head coach would be intimidated by having him in this in the system. They would help him win, but what if, if someone like who has doesn't have the best team, like like whoever the head coaches of the Jaguars right now, let's say Rod Woodson was hired as an assistant. He yeah. could that whoever's coaching for the Jaguars right now is, I believe it's still Doug Marone. You yeah. know, he's been on the hot seat for a few years yeah. now. I think maybe that they feel like that would threaten his job. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, so I, yeah, I just think that, um, I just think that Rod Woodson would definitely make a great coach, but I think he does, he's on to something when he said he's being discriminated against because he's a hall of famer. Yeah. And I think so too. Like you have, um, I'll just pull out two coaches, uh, Matt Patricia of the Detroit lions. Like you said, Matt Patricia, I think going into the season could very well be on the hot seat as far as his job is concerned. If he doesn't do well, he was brought in there from the bill Belichick coaching tree to rejuvenate the lions. I think, if he doesn't have a decent season, he could be fired. Or you have another guy um, like Matt Rule on the Carolina Panthers just coming up from college, you know, not having um, a whole lot of NFL experience, um, getting his first taste of being the head coach. There, if you had Rod Woodson on, you know, on your team there, I mean – Players could be looking at Rod Woodson in a different light than they could 
uh, Matt Rule, like, hey, you're a Hall of Fame player. I can identify with you. And if all of a sudden Matt Rule, who is supposedly a very good head coach, I'm not going to take anything away from him, but if they struggle a little bit and Matt Rule is saying one thing and Rod Woodson is saying, well, no, let's try it a little bit differently here, you know, to get the most production out of them. Then all of a sudden, what do the players do? You know, do you listen to Matt Rule, who's been kind of just a coach, so to speak? Or do you listen to that Hall of Famer, Rod Woodson, who has all these credentials to back him up and everything, you know? And and if Matt Rule, who has a long-term contract, you know, all of a sudden gets terminated, now all of a sudden that, you know, that could create some – or is going to get terminated now all of a sudden you have that controversy there with rod woodson you know so you know you have coaches like that like you said that could create a problem there with bringing rod woodson onto your coaching staff you would have to probably have a solid head coach that fans and players know isn't going to get fired well the th- well okay matt patricia i could definitely see why he could definitely threaten woodson's job considering you know the team's yeah. The roster's really not that great. And Patricia, I don't really think he's that great of a head coach. Yeah. But Matt Rule's a different story. This is going to be his first year as an NFL coach. I think having Rod Woodson would actually – he shouldn't be scared if the Panthers are considering him. I think he should be welcome considering that Rod Woodson, being an NFL player, could could actually be a great assistance to Matt Rule to kind of help him get guide through his first year as an NFL head coach. Um. But I think Woodson would definitely be a great DB coach or a great linebackers coach. You know, he put, you know, of course he was a Hall of Fame defensive back. And yep. I think he I think he could have contribute a lot to many different teams. And, you know, first year head coaches shouldn't really be scared of hiring someone like that unless you're on the Browns or something, where in that case where they hire their, you know, fire their head coaches, you know after they, they lose, like, 10 games or something. Oh, yeah. And um, the final story we had, and this is, I think, going to become a bigger story as we go forward. Um, it involves, as I said previously, the Washington Redskins. Uh, and Fawn Sharp, who's the president of the National Congress of American Indians, which includes 500 tribes spread out all over the United States. She, Fawn Sharp is extremely powerful. She's the head of it. Uh, 500, as I said, 500 tribes spread out Alaska and across the United States and everything has a lot of power, a lot of authority. When Fawn Sharp speaks, people listen. And uh, Fawn Sharp carries a lot of weight. So uh, Fawn Sharp has now come out and pawned a great op-ed piece. And basically what Fawn Sharp did was lay down the gauntlet and has basically said, enough is enough. It's gone on long enough. Uh, The Redskins must right now today changed her name and has asked players to boycott the team and stay home. Uh, it's an extremely powerful piece. Juan uh, Sharp is saying, rip off the uniform. Which player on the Redskins is going to step up and be the next? 
uh, Muhammad Ali or be the next Colin Kaepernick and take a stand and put literally almost put your career on the line uh, for this and lead the team and boycott the Washington Redskins until they change their name. Uh, do you think – and now the Washington Redskins have uh, always been putting their uh, muscle behind the fact that, well – uh, the Indian nation uh, hasn't come out and specifically said that they're offended by the name Redskins. Uh, they have, they kind of, I wouldn't say that they're backing them, but said they're not complaining a ton. Well, now they are. Barn Sharp has come out, and now uh, the Indian nation has come out and said it is offensive to us. They need to change the name. Or the Redskins uh, need to – the players need to stay home, boycott the te team until uh, the name is changed. So do you think this will have an effect on Dan Snyder now that he can no longer say that um, the American Indians uh, support the team name or, or are okay with it? I think, I think Dan Snyder is finally going to be forced to do this. I don't know how they're going to change it, if he's going to decide or the organization, they're going to hold a naming contest. But yeah. the, you know, it's hard. You know, I can see why he doesn't want to change it. That They've been going by the name Redskins since 1933. And, of course, back then it wasn't seen nearly as offensive as, as it is today. And changing locations is one thing, but changing team names can be hard to do. And may, And I know it's tradition, but I think – you know, I, I think it's just it's just time at this point. You know, there's too much public backlash. And I honestly don't know even what they'd be named to. But um, maybe they could do it another name that maybe honors Native Americans somehow. I feel like I would yeah. still get – I feel like I would still get some flack. So, but I, I also – Dan Snyder's been told that he will not be able to re relocate to the former uh, RFK site. Yeah. where he wants to build the new stadium if unless if he doesn't change this name and you know you know Dan Snyder's probably the Redskins fans probably hate him more than most NFL fans so I think oh yeah they would be definitely down to change this name I think it's time though yeah and I think he could build up some if he were to go about it I know there's a lot of licensing fees and logo fees and things like that but you know which does make things a little dicey in changing the name and the logo and everything like that yeah like the, the congressman wants him to change it but it, it takes a while because if he, he's going to change the team name especially he said new logo new licensing rights and you know that you know maybe usually the name is voted on by the by the community so you know i really don't think it they and with this happening with the preseason being a few months like two months away yeah. i just don't i just uh i don't think it's going to happen a name change is going to happen this year because it just takes too much time you know of course it needs to yeah. be changed but these these things take time it's a business yeah like if you change the name of a corporation it's the same thing so, um, but I re but next season we may be seeing a a new team nickname in the DC area. 
Yeah, and like I said, I think Dan Snyder, who, like you said, because the Redskins haven't really been winning, um, have been going through a lot of turmoil, head coaches, quarterbacks, that type of thing, uh, a lot of GMs, uh, you know, it's annoyed the Washington fan base, but I think uh, he could do some goodwill if he would work with um, Fawn Sharp and come up with a name that, like you said, that maybe honors Native Americans instead of Redskins, say, work with Fawn and say, hey, what would be a good name that would honor our Native American community, that would promote some goodwill? What would be a good name and work with Fawn and and the two of them kind of work together to come up with a new name and say, hey, we're not going to be the Redskins anymore. We're going to be this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe they that or maybe they want to just shy away from the whole Native American thing in general. You Could know, uh, I I honestly I honestly don't know. Maybe they want to. You know, their former name before they were the before they changed their name to the Redskins, their first year they were when they were in Boston, they were called the Boston Braves, which yeah. is another Native American name and currently the name of an MLB team. But yep. there doesn't seem that much backlash, as much backlash with that. I've heard backlash about the Tomahawk chop chop. Yes. But yep. Other than that, like, you know, I it's a uh I don't think people have the problem with the name Braves, although I def, I personally, I think they should just stay away from the whole Native American thing in general. Uh, it causes less controversy. Um, but you know, it's Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder does what he wants. Yeah. So it's true. Uh, closing out the uh, NFL segment too uh, was uh, released yesterday. Uh, SoFi Stadium. This thing looks like it's going to be a monster when. Uh, when they allow fans back in the stadium. Uh, this thing looks incredible. Uh, they announced that they have hung a 2.2 million pound, if you can imagine that, how heavy that is, scoreboard inside of SoFi Stadium in LA uh, for the Rams and Chargers games. Uh, it's the largest ever in sports history. You think uh, Jerry World has this huge scoreboard, and it this dwarfs Jerry World. Um, it's 120 yards long, which is if you think the length of the field and yep. back of the end zone to the back of the end zone. Yep, 70,000 square feet of LED technology, 260 speakers in it. That's enough to power. That's enough power to keep fifteen hundred home systems uh, running. I mean, how awesome is this scoreboard going to be when they allow fans in there, Joe? I mean, unbelievable. It's going to be. It's going to be ridiculous. That you know, the Cronky uh, San Cronky's definitely put in. Uh, he hasn't pulled any pulled any punches when he's uh, building this stadium, and. You know, this is definitely they, they plan on hosting they plan on hosting Olymp the Olympics at this complex here because this isn't just a stadium. There's gonna be an entertain it's a whole entertainment complex. There's gonna be all resident office buildings around that are prob you know, that uh that can be rented out. There's gonna be a muse there's gonna be a small amusement uh area. Yeah. You know. 
this is so honestly this this is definitely like on honestly yeah maybe maybe when i get older i get definitely want to um maybe when i gather up and more money in the future this would be a stick this would be something i'd love to see maybe it will draw in more rams and chargers fans especially the chargers who had problems yeah. with fan but the rams also had problems with fan attendance yeah i think there may actually be people showing up for chargers games you know people that actually root for the chargers now you know uh yeah. you know um but yeah this, i mean unbelievable what they're doing out there in la for the uh, rams and chargers unbelievable stadium uh, that they are building out there. Uh, switching gears now over to the uh, MLB. Uh, the players have now reported to team facilities. We're getting workouts starting up um, in Philadelphia. They have two different locations. Uh, they're working out in Citizens Bank Park. They've transformed Citizens Bank Park into a huge Workout facility, uh, fans that are familiar with the Diamond Club, that is now a weight room um, that uh, they're going to be using for that. They're also uh, working out at FDR Park uh, down the street from Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. So they're using two locations, spreading out the teams. Uh, they're not going to have, uh, you know, they have uh, mounds in the uh, – bullpen but they're only going to have pitchers thrown off one of those mounds you know at a time so they're spreading the players out as they begin their workouts getting the players back in uh doing that so um has your excitement level changed at all now that the player we're starting to see baseball galvanized and the players coming back and uh, the pictures are coming out, you know, about players working out and hitting some home runs. Uh, as your feeling changed at all, your excitement level building, Joe? It definitely, it definitely gets me excited, you know, yeah. just to see any kind of baseball activity going on. I still do worry about, you know, there's always some players that said that they're not going to be playing due to because they don't, they don't want to risk this COVID, they don't want to risk their yeah. families. And of course, you gotta respect respect that decision. But you know, right now there hasn't been any huge names that are that have said they're not playing. So for now, everything's fine. I'm still excited. Um, you know, if team, you know, if teams, uh, hope I don't think at any point this season there's gonna be fans in the stands. But you know, there's still gonna be excitement. I don't – maybe they'll pump in crowd noise. I don't know. Could be. You know, I'm definitely getting a little bit more excited. I've always loved baseball. So, um, I'm definitely getting a little bit more excited about it, uh, seeing the players come back from, you know, the different teams and everything. Um, I'm hoping that what they do works out well, that, you know, no team is severely impacted by the virus. Uh, and uh, they're able to get whatever season they got in, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know. Um, so they also announced this week that there will be no minor league baseball season this year. So 
from AAA down to single A, no baseball season, no minor leagues. They're done. Close up for the year uh, around here uh, where we are, uh, the Yankees AA team, the Trenton yeah. Thunder, not going to be playing, so you won't see any dogs retrieving the bats or anything like that. Uh, very sad situation for the minor league players that they're not going to be able to take the field this year. Very unfortunate. The minor league games, if you've never been to a minor league game, you know, go if you can. It's a great experience. Like I said, I've been to many Thunder games since I was, since I was little. And, yeah. you know, it's just a treat. It's, it's cheap enough to get in. Um, and it's just, you can, you know, for the, at the Thunder, you can pay 12 bucks for a seat and get right by the, right by the, uh, one of the dugouts or, and it, or right behind home plate. It's, it's just a great yeah. experience. You know, it's, it's not as serious. You can have more fun. It's a, it's a lot, and it's a lot easier to take the family out to a minor league game than a major league game. You know, it's, un, it's unfortunate, but you know, like, like I said, the, we're living in a very special year that will go down in the history books. So nothing's going to be normal. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and the gimmicks that, you know, the minor league teams come up with, the promotions, you know, the wackiness of them are really fun. Sometimes, you know, the, the giveaways, the special nights that they have yeah. there. And like you said, it, you can take your whole family to a minor league baseball game. It's a lot more intimate. Your chances of coming away with a foul ball or, you know, uh, increased at the minor league games, it, you know, it, it's really a, a great night out. They like to interact with the fan base as much as they can. You know, so it's really a great night out. And, you know, I feel for everybody involved in this, the players, the support staff as well. They're not, you know, you look at, you know, the ushers and mm -hmm. security and the vendors and everything like that. And, you know, like I said, the uh, people who, who do things like uh, with the Knights of Columbus, we run a, uh, a raffle every year you know, at the Thunder game, that's not going to happen this year. So you feel for everybody involved in this in every capacity that, you know, there's not going to be a minor league. And you look going forward, I mean, a lot of communities, a lot of towns depend on their minor league baseball team for income and that type of thing, drawing fans down in there, spending money. Exactly. And with no minor league baseball season this year, you wonder if uh, this will affect teams themselves, how many of them will be able to come back in 2021, if they'll be able to survive uh, this and be able to return in 2021. Some, some of them will probably have to relocate or yeah, they'll have to relocate or if it's like a low, like a low class, like a short season class A team, maybe they'll yep. just be get, gotten rid of like the, yeah. the Mets double A team previously the Binghamton Rumble Ponies it's no more they're going to be the Brooklyn Cyclones now which was I believe which I believe was a single A team yep and you know you know so, like we mentioned at Trent Thunder before the city of Trent doesn't fully rely on the Thunder to bring in you know to bring in revenue but other cities like Binghamton or or like the or I've, I'm trying to remember the name of the Rockies double-A team. I believe it 
they're the uh, yard uh, the yard goats or some uh, yeah something like they're, that yeah they're not in a very populated place you know some that could that could affect them yep and also there's a, there's something about if you're a, a casual fan you can go to minor league game have a good time see some young guys play but if you're you're a major league fan especially being a Yankees fan I get to see the future of the of the franchise by going to Thunder games and you get to possibly see the future of the franchise it's just a cool experience and it's a shame because I a few years ago about two years ago I remember that Thunder were playing the Rumble Ponies and which is the Mets minor league system for some people who don't know and they had Tim Tebow Tim Tebow is one of my favorite athletes of all time. I never, and as a Gators fan, I never got to see him play in person because I, you know, he's, they were in Florida. So, you know, I got to see him play a sport for the first time there and he got a hit in the first, his first at bat. I got to see, I, not many Yankees prospects there, but I, people, some people that participated in that game are Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil who were yep. both – Pete Alonzo was a top prospect in the Mets system. Jeff McNeil was a good prospect. They, Justin Dunn was on the mound the Mets, who was supposed to be a good prospect, but is now in the Mariners system. So, you know, there's just, there's just so many things about minor league baseball that are going to be missed this year. It's honestly a shame. It is. And like you said, not only do you get to see the up-and-coming uh, players, but you can also, depending on the game – catch a major league player who's rehabbing coming through the minor leagues exactly. through their minor league rehab. When G when I remember when Jeter was in town, I tried to find a ticket ticket skyrocketed and they were sold out like that. I never got to see him. <laughs> and when a rod came in town, never got to see him. Yeah. Brett Gardner coming through some for some rehab, same thing, you know, but you know, yeah. And yeah. And that's one of the beauties about, you know, the, the minor league season. So, you know, it's sad to see that uh, there's not going to be a minor league baseball this season. A um, couple of interesting notes uh, from this week. Uh, again, they're putting together their squad. They're going to have an extra squad of people that they can – players that they can pull from this year. Um, I'll begin with the Mets. Uh I believe I saw from the Mets, there is no Tim Tebow on the Mets' uh, 60-man roster. So uh, apparently he's done for the year or uh, not going to be a part of uh, the Mets' taxi squad or a bunch of players the Mets can pull from this year. Uh, You might have thought, if you're a Mets fan, that, you know, uh, maybe with a 60-game season, a shortened season, maybe the Mets would go for, uh, to quote a wrestling term, the cheap pop and uh, bring Tim Tebow as a part of their 60-man team. Maybe not have him on their actual roster, but have him playing games so that they can pull from him just in case one of their players came down for COVID-19 or got hurt or whatever. Hey, Tim Tebow is one of these guys we can pull from on our squad. But apparently no Tim Tebow this year. I was, I was a little <laughs> upset to see that. Um, uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I thought maybe they would do it just for, yeah. like, you know, get fans more excited, maybe get fans a little more excited, you know, because he definitely does draw a crowd. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, it is what it, it is what it is. I can't say I'm not surprised he's not on there. He's been pretty mediocre in the minors. He has shown signs of improvement though. Oh yeah. You know, um, so who knows? Maybe something will happen next year in spring training with uh, Tim Tebow. Uh, the other uh, notable omission on the Philly side was Odubel Herrera. Now we know that the Phillies have quite, kind of sanitized uh, last year Citizens Bank Park from Odubel Herrera. Uh, they, you know, uh, they removed him from their roster. Uh, he was thought to be playing in AAA this season. Again, no minor league season. So uh, what do the Phillies do with Odubel Herrera? He wasn't initially on the Phillies' uh, 60-man roster. Uh, players to pull from, of course, he had the uh, domestic violence charge against him. Uh, that's why the Phillies removed him from their active roster. They pulled him uh, – last year so um i wonder do you think uh the phillies should have put him on their 60-man roster or do you think he will eventually get to that point where the phillies will consider him and possibly place him on there in case somebody one of their uh outfielders comes down with COVID 19 or gets hurt you know you know i i know he's definitely this is definitely he's not on there it's prop it's definitely because of the domestic violence yeah charge because he's a good player he made an all-star team one year I personally remember drafting him in my last pick in his all-star year in the fantasy draft yeah and he ended up being a great piece for me I drafted him just because but besides the point the besides the point I think he should be on there he's still reliable outfielder you look at his career stats he has taken a bit of a dip since 2017 but some of that can be attributed to the um to domestic violence case, you know, not be, being able to get on the field as much. And he's still probably – he would be a great fill-in as an outfielder. He probably should be on the 60-man roster. I'm not saying he has to play up in the majors, but yeah. just as an option. I – you know, I know the charges against him, but here's the thing. Um, we look at some of the athletes that are involved in, in the major league sports, football, basketball – hockey, baseball. Uh, America is basically a forgiving society. If you are sincere in your heart, if your spirit is sincere and you're remorseful and you've done your time and you've made reparations, then, you know, you should be given, we look at Michael Vick. Uh, we look at some of the other guys uh, that have been given a second chance. And, you know, Audible Herrera has kind of done the right – you know, I don't know what he's done towards domestic violence. I can't say that because it hasn't been really publicized Yeah. by any of the news media in Philadelphia. So he may have done things. He may have uh, paid out money. He may be doing some uh, lectures. I, I don't know because it hasn't been publicized a lot. But the other thing he's been doing – is he's been keeping a low profile. He hasn't done anything against the Phillies organization. He hasn't acted out again. There's been no additional charges uh, since this incident originally happened. So to me, that means he's working towards, uh, yeah, I can't, I don't know how remorseful he actually is if it would happen again, 
Um, but, you know, he's been keeping a low profile. He hasn't acted out again. He's had no additional charges. So, like you, I would say put him on the 60-man roster. Let's, let's see what he is. Let's, you know, uh, hear what he's been doing in his, in, in his spare time away while he was uh, suspended and what he's been doing and see if he is remorseful, see if he has earned that second chance. And if he has, then, you know, if there is – a reason to bring him up then you know bring him up i i am totally against domestic violence don't get me wrong but if some of these uh, but if some of these other athletes that have done horrendously bad things that have had domestic violence charges i mean you look at ray rice um you know he had i mean he actually kicked this whole thing into high gear years ago uh, was extremely remorseful, did everything he possibly could to get back into the NFL. You know, uh, now, why didn't he not get back into the NFL? Probably that. Probably, you know, a team didn't want to take a chance on the media backlash. or And maybe his skills had diminished, too. But who knows where Odable's skills are at this point. I think putting him on the uh, 60 man, you know, I'll call it like a taxi squad or whatever. Um, just seeing where he's at, you don't have to bring him up. He's just going to be going and working out, um, you know, at FDR park or wherever they're going to have these guys working out. You know, I, I don't see what, what harm it would do just to have him on that. You don't have to bring him up to the major league team if you don't want to. And if the skills have eroded, you gave him a chance, you can, you know, you, maybe you can release him or, move on from him at that point, but at least you get a look at him, see where his skill set is at, and go from there. You know, exactly. you know that's my uh, thoughts on uh, Audible. The other t- news, uh, some other news that came out, uh, several former MLB players, uh, we're talking like MVP award winners, want to, re- want to remove Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis's names uh, from the plaque from their plaques and the plaques going forward. They want to excise his name from that. Uh, do you agree with this movement? Do you think it should stand there? I, I you know, I know maybe Kenneth Hall Mountain Landis, you know, has uh, a person. Yeah. <laughs> sketchy reputation, but he did do some interesting things for the sport of baseball while he was commissioner. Uh, so what do you think? Should they uh, remove his name? Do you think, or keep it there? I don't think so. It's, you know, a lot of people want to wipe away the bad parts of history. Yeah. With a lot, especially with this taking down of statues. And, you know, some, some of it's justified, but I don't, I don't know. I'm, I don't think it hurts anybody that much to keep his name on a plaque. He was the commissioner of baseball. As you say, he did do think he did do some good things for the sport. And because he is not the best person, delayed in racial integration, he, you know, people want it. They don't want it. They don't want racists at all to be just that. They don't want him to represent it all in the past. But he was the commissioner. He was the commissioner for 20 some years. And yep. I just don't, I don't think his name should be taken off a, a plaque. You know, if he was a, uh, 
it, it's hard to say without, yeah. you know, maybe getting some, some people riled up because I'm not condoning, you know, you know, the fact that he, he delayed racial integration, but yeah, it's, if you take his name off the plaque, less people know about him, less people just know, know about the history. History's meant to be learned, not erased. Exactly. Yep. So I think he should still stay on it. He's been dead for a long time. It doesn't really hurt any, doesn't really hurt anybody. You don't hear anybody going around saying that he was a great commissioner or anything. Yeah. We're all, we're all worked up about how bad the commissioner is now. We're not, oh, yeah. we're not worried about a, 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 a commissioner, uh, a racist commissioner from, from the early 1900s. Yep. That's just my, that's just my take on it. People no, I, disagree. I agree with you. No, I agree completely with you. Uh, going back onto the field real quick. Um, Angels, Shoei Otani, uh, one of the better players in baseball, two-way player. He pitches, and he also plays the field uh, when he's not pitching. Uh, the Angels have come out and said that they are going to use Shoei Otani as a two-way player coming off uh, injury this year. Uh, would you – go forward with Otani as a two-way player, or would you say, you know what, you're coming off an injury, it's a 60-game season, let's not have you pitch this year, let's keep that on fresh and uh, report to spring training next year, and we'll have you then uh, start pitching again? Or would you put him, or would you employ the Angels plan and have them uh, pitching? See, the thing is, he would, it's tough. Yeah, because he was he would immediate, he's immediately the best pitcher in the rotation. Without him, the rotation is full of average to below average guys. Guys like Julio Tehran, who used to be good at one point, who's just average. Dylan Bundy's slightly below average. I'm looking at their pitching rotation yeah. now. Andrew Heaney's not that great. Griffin Canning and Matt Andrees, who work in there sometimes, they're not that great. I don't. You're losing a lot if you don't let him pitch. You are losing a good amount if you don't let him hit either, but they do have a stronger they do have a stronger um offense, the Angels. They have some good bats in their they have some good bats in their lineup. And yeah. you know, and pitching would definitely be the the one that the Angels probably don't want him to do because he can get injured more that way than hitting. Yeah. <sighs> With a 60-game season, I almost feel like they don't want to risk it. But I feel like if you want to win a World Series, like, I think in a 60-game season, who says the Angels can't somehow go on a run? Exactly. With, the, with, their hit, with their batting lineup, but they need pitching to hold it down. And Otani would at least be someone they could rely on. And if you lose him hitting, it's not the end of the world. But also, that could hurt the rest of his major league career. So, you got to think about that, too. Honestly, yep. it's – it's 50-50 either way. The Angels have a tough call to make. Maybe he could come in. Maybe if he's if they don't want him starting, maybe they could put – maybe they could bring him in for relief appearances or say you can start a game, but like any game he starts is a bullpen game. He maybe pitches like three innings, three, four innings max. And then, yeah. And then they take him out and the bullpen comes in because their bullpen is – it's all right. 
you know, they have some – it's not the best, really. They, their best pitcher is their closer, Hansel Robles. Who's, yep. And they don't have many great middle relievers. So it's a tough call for them. If they don't want to shoot – if they're not shooting for a World Series this year, then I wouldn't pitch them. But if they think they can win one, i go out and pitch them. You, especially in a 60-game season, it might be easier to win one. If yeah. You're one, if you're not one of these powerhouse teams. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's going to be fascinating, I think, about this season in Major League Baseball is, uh, you know, even if you think your team isn't quite to the level of some of the other teams, like the Dodgers or uh, the Nationals or whomever, uh, you know, this is going to be a sprint. It's not going to be that marathon that we're used to with the Major League Baseball season. So, uh, if, you know, you could be a team like the Dodgers for whatever reason, you go on a four, five, six game losing streak, that could be the death knell for you. And same way if you're a team maybe like the San Diego Padres or uh, whomever, you know, you get hot and all of a sudden you go on a five, six, seven game winning streak, all of a sudden you may be making the playoffs. So, yeah. Like I said, you know, it's going to be a free-for-all, and you get down to the last week of the season, um, a lot of teams that maybe you were not looking at as playoff contenders could be right in the thick of uh, getting a playoff opportunity this year, mm-hmm. you know. So that could be, like you said, that could be the reason why you want Otani in the rotation, just to give you that extra little boost uh, maybe down the stretch by him pitching that if he's not going to pitch this year, that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And that might cost, you know, the division could be one with – division could be won or lost or a wild card could be won or lost within a game or two or three, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that could be why you want Otani on the mound, why you want Otani pitching this year. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the other interesting – another interesting thing came out with the uh, Chicago Cubs – uh, they got rid of Joe Madden. Uh, we had uh, a huge Cub fan part of the show. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, he passed away uh, in the uh, spring, uh, late winter, early spring this year. Uh, Frank, the Cubs fan, uh, may he rest in peace. Huge Cubs fan. Uh, you know, didn't like Joe Madden. Thought a lot of times Joe Madden was being too cute with his analytics and the way he managed the team and so forth. And, you know, I think he was kind of looking forward to seeing what David Ross brought to the team. Well, now, uh, lo and behold, David Ross comes out uh, this week and says he's going to back Chris Bryant leadoff with Anthony Rizzo batting second. Of course, that all has to do with analytics and, these guys, instead of being down, maybe hitting third or fourth or fourth or fifth or what have you uh, in the lineup, they're now going to be hitting one and two uh, because, hey, you put these guys higher up in the order, they get to bat more, which means uh, maybe they get on base a little bit more. Again, using the whole analytic thing, um, do you think Cubs fans are going to go for this? Do you think uh, uh, the new manager, David Ross, is being a little bit too cute in doing this? I think it's a good idea. You know, yeah. You know, I could always see like value at the top of the lineup. Speed it was very valuable at the top of the lineup. 
but you need to be able to get on base. The guys who they beat, if you want to just go base off of speed, you know, there's not many guys on the Cubs. You could have someone like Ian Happ, who's not the he's not yeah. the greatest. Um, he has a 340 – at the top of the lineup, I would value on base percentage a lot more than batting average. Even a batting average, you know, people been using it more to judge uh, how good a hitter is for a longer. But, you know, I don't think it's too much analytics. You look at Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, yeah. they both have great career on base percentages. Yeah. Chris Bryant has a career 385 on base percentage. Anthony Rizzo, 373. That's fantastic. And it doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily need to be fast. They need to get on base to set up for the guys. It's, and if they, they tried battling Kyle Schwarber, the Cubs last year leadoff, he does, he is, he doesn't have a great career on base percentage, very average. Same with Ian Half, someone like Albert Almore in the outfielder who is, who might, he's not the fastest, he's not the fastest guy, but they bat him at the top of the order. He's not that. You know, he's a good, decent batting average. He's on pace percentage. Isn't that great? Top of the line is about setting the plate for the heavy hitters. Like, and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, in this case, are heavy hitters. Yeah. So, um, you know, but they the Cubs still have Javier Baez. You know, they still have Wilson Contreras and, as, their, uh, as, their, uh, as their cleanup guys. You know, that top four, if they want to do, they could do Chris – they could do Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras. That's a great. That's a great. What that would probably be the the best top four in the lineup in the majors, or at least one of the best. Yeah. It's kind of the situation with like Aaron Judge. You know, Aaron Boone bats him second a lot, even though yeah. he drives in a lot of runs because Aaron Judge gets on base almost about forty percent of the time, and especially when he's healthy, he's a a great player. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. If, you know, if he's going to get walked, why not have him get walked and, you know, batting, you know, second, yeah. you know, and set it set up the, yeah. For guy. Yeah. Set for guys. I don't, you know, I don't think anyone have a problem with a guy with a good, with anybody who's a good hitter and can get on base. I don't think they, I think they, anyone could be at the top of the lineup. I don't care if you're the slowest guy out there. If you get on base, go for it. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a good thing. If you can, you know, the whole thing about it is, I think, getting on base, uh, creating pressure on the opposing defense, on the opposing pitcher, because things get tighter when you get guys on base, you know, especially in scoring position, you know, first base, you know, second base, third base, you know, the more you pressure you can apply on a defense to field the ball cleanly, um, for the pitcher to make those pitches to try and get guys to uh, make an out, the more pressure you can apply to that opposing defense, the better you are. So, yeah, even though, um, you know, that Rizzo and uh, Brian have averaged maybe six stolen bases a season, you know, they're not the most fleetest of foot. They don't steal the most bases, but if they're on base, you got to change around your defense, you know, you can't – maybe you can't uh, pull your defense the way you want to to face an opposing hitter because you got a guy or two on base. Mm-hmm. Now, because, you know, they're 
getting on base or they're walking and, you know, pushing a guy to the next base, you know. Um, yeah, it could work out uh, really, really nicely uh, for the uh, Chicago Cubs. It, you know, it could. You know, it'll be interesting to see uh, if Ross uh, sticks with that or if he tinkers with the lineup a little bit. You know, that'll be fun to watch uh, going forward for the Cubs fans. Uh, another interesting story came out, too. This is kind of fun. Uh, the Oakland A's are going to be uh, reportedly going to be selling their fans cardboard cutouts of themselves uh, to be placed around the stadium. And if a foul ball is hit and it hits uh, one of the fans' cardboard cutouts in the stadium, uh, what the Oakland A's are then going to do is mail, send in the mail that foul ball to the person whose cardboard cutout it hits. Uh, I think, you know, in a season where there may be no fans in the stadium, I think this is a great marketing idea. What do you think? I think it's fantastic, too. I think every team should do this personally. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. Sh- you know, the price it is a little bit pricey depending on where the cutout is. You know, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've never caught a foul ball any game. I've been to a bunch of games. Never caught anything. So, yeah. maybe this is the way. If, they, if, like, the Yankees do this, I definitely – you know, I you know, I don't know how often fans would buy the cutouts. But – or how many they would do it, but there's definitely a good amount of willing fans out there to do it. And I think a lot of teams should, should go off of this idea and do this. This is, this would be a great way for owners to make back some of the money that they're losing this year. Exactly. Instead of, you know, the fan being there in person, their cardboard cutout is there. I think it would look visually, it would probably look really cool too. And, And what if like you see your cardboard cutout on TV, that would still be really cool. Exactly. It's like, hey, I'm home, but oh, I saw myself on TV. There I am, you know, especially if you can get, you know, something behind home plate or, you know, uh, maybe you can't afford the home plate ticket normally, but in this instance, maybe it's discounted a little bit. So you buy your cardboard cutout, they stick it behind home plate, and then you can call up all your friends, your family and say, hey, tune into the game. I'm on TV and everything. You know, I think that's yeah. a great marketing idea. I really do. And I think more teams should embrace that because it would look visually, it would look appealing. I think if you're watching it on TV and then, you know, who knows, maybe you get that foul ball mail to you, you know? Yeah, that would that'd be really cool. I, I think so too. Um, so switching topics real quick over to the uh, NBA uh, want to ask you, I mean, are you concerned? We're seeing uh, some players test positive for uh, COVID-19. We're seeing some other players opt out of the NBA bubble down in Florida. Uh, you know, just to name two, uh, Brooklyn Nets, uh, Spencer Dimwitty and DeAndre Jordan have tested positive. They came out, uh, said they were positive for COVID-19. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, while not naming the players, said uh, three players have tested positive. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, and this is even before going down to Florida, the Denver Nuggets shut down their team facilities after several members of the organization, uh, not necessarily players, they just said several members of the organization 
have tested positive for uh, the COVID-19 uh, virus. Training camps are uh, slated to begin July 7th, coming up this week. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, Trevor Reza have opted out. Um, are you concerned? The NBA was the first team, was the first league that actually shut down because of this. Are you getting a little bit concerned about uh, where things are trending in the NBA restart? I'm definitely growing concerned, especially with yeah. a lot of good players are are saying that uh, are saying that they tested positive. You know, you had some key role players that aren't going to be participating in the rest of the season. Yeah. Such as Avery Bradley, or as we said, or as we said, like Tabo Cephalosha, who's not that. Good. Yeah. You know, the Rockets aren't going to miss him that much, but still, it's concerning to see players saying, "I'm not going to play," and if a player's not going to be playing because of COVID, uh, especially more of a big name player, like that could be a huge hit to how the how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, and. Um, my concern too is once they get down to Florida and they're in the bubble, um, if for whatever reason, however it happens, if a player comes down with the virus, obviously, obviously they're going to shut it down if that happens. You know, I, I, well, obviously they would have to, at the very least, quarantine him uh, yeah. while he's in the bubble, which would mean that player, that NBA's star. Uh, staying in his hotel room. And, yeah. I, I, you know, I've been in a hotel room. You have uh, the TV there. You'll have uh, whatever they bring down with them, if it's an Xbox or whatever, yeah. um, you know, whatever they bring down with them. Uh, but, but they would literally be confined to that hotel room and not, you know, and not be able to come out of it. I don't know about you. I've been in a hotel room before. Uh, you don't have... Uh, you don't have as many channels on the cable system as you normally do here at home. Yeah. Right? So you're, when you're home, you can meander about your house. You have whatever you have outside. If you have a pool or a deck or whatever, you can go outside. Yeah. You can have, you know, experience the weather, you know, uh, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do as long as you stay within your house. Um, there, the players are going to have to remain in their hotel room, which I think is a, a problem right there because how many of these NBA players are going to say, okay, I'm staying in this hotel room by myself, you know, uh, with a bed, with a TV, whatever else amenities they brought down with them. I'm not going to go outside. I'm not going to walk down the hall to the ice maker and get some ice, you know, uh, you know, I, I just don't see it. People are human. You're, you know, you're not going to yeah. keep somebody locked in a hotel room for two weeks in quarantine, and they're going to walk outside. They're going to walk down the hall. They're going to get some ice. They're human. They're people. And as soon as they start doing that, then you have, in my mind, then you would have a further outbreak of the uh, COVID-19 virus because who knows who we would see in the hallway, who we would walk past what he would be doing, you know, he touches the ice maker or whatever, the vending machine, you know. Yeah, I, could, I, you I know. would definitely go crazy if I had to stay in a hotel room. Like, he can't exactly. – the player wouldn't even go into, be able to go into, like, the hotel pool if they had one or, like, the arcade room. Yeah. Nothing. Um, That's yeah, my that, point, you know. It, it does concern me. They're probably – unless a lot of 
a good portion of the league. And by a good portion, I mean like maybe like if like 25% of the league starts testing positive, they might just shut. They might just set, they just might say that's the season. But like I, with the season so close to being done as a fan, I really want the season just them to just finish the season. Like they're already not going to play a full 82 games. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but you know, I hate seeing seasons that don't have an end to them. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I like seeing the conclusion. I like seeing a champion crown. Um, you know, even if it's this wild and wacky of a season, you know, I still like to see a champion crown now, you know, you know, probably is going to be an asterisk on whatever champion is going to be crowned this year. Um, you know, you know, uh, especially I would say in baseball, we're only playing 60. Oh yeah. You know, it's going to be a weird year. Years from now, when they look at the record books, it's going to be, it's going to be a weird year. You know, players statistics are going to be hurt. Maybe that affects a few players chances of getting to the hall of fame. You know, if they had a full season, maybe a a few more stats would make it make or break, but you can't think about, they got to think of safety, which is more important. Definitely. Um, you know, so, uh, another thing I wanted to bring up to you is, you know, back years ago, they, uh, MLB had a split season, um, where, where they shut it down mid season and they actually had two champions kind of one from the beginning of the season, one from the ending of the season. And should there be an asterisk on that season? You know, what what MLB is doing this year, we're saying there's going to be an asterisk. Do you think there should be an asterisk on that season as well? Are you, are you the, like, uh, like the, the 20, the upcoming season? Are you talking about, are you talking about 94? 94. Like with the, uh, that was back in the 80s, right, Dad? Um, I think 94, I think it was. 94 was the, when there was no World Series played. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate for my reason yeah. the expos got yeah. screwed over and that, yeah that, that yep that that helped the expos has screwed over they might have won the world series that year yep. tony gwynn i think would have hit up would have hit over 400 that year yep you know if he if he got a few more bats yep but you know that yeah that year you know the baseball knows what happened after that year demoralized the country yeah and it took the Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa home run race in 98 to really get baseball back into the forefront in terms of popularity. Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely yeah. going to be some kind of asterisks this season. They're going to, they're going to be like, especially with the rate stats, like if someone hits over 400, it's going to be diluted yeah. a little bit. Is it going to, it's, it's the full season, but it's not a, it's not 162 games. games. Yeah. It will, it will it will count though because how the records go it's you have to you have to have a certain number of plate appearances per team game and if the team only plays 60 games and that yeah. happens well that's that's it yeah it will def- there will definitely be asterisks on all all the 2020 sports seasons yep for one and, reason or another yep and uh sticking with basketball a little bit um Jabari Parker made the news uh this past week um he confirmed last week that he had tested positive for the COVID-19 virus 
So he posted that on his uh, social media site. Um, mm -hmm. Then after doing that, he was photographed playing tennis on a public court uh, with a partner, no mask at all. So question then, you know, when did he test positive for the COVID-19 virus? Did he just test positive for it? And then he was on the tennis court playing tennis, no mask, you know, um, you know people are going to be around him because he's Jabari Parker. They're going to want their photograph taken with him, et cetera. Um, so the question is, when was the actual positive test that hasn't actually been uh, come out yet or determined yet? But he did say that he tested positive, and then after that he was on the tennis court. He was also reportedly seen in a public restaurant. Again, no mask at all, walking around. Um, after the disclosure, uh, two nights before he was seen on the tennis court. So he was apparently out at a restaurant, no mask, milling around. And then two nights later, he was on, seen on the tennis court. Again, no mask. Uh, TMZ uh, reached out to his representation. They did not deny anything um, as, far, as far as... The restaurant goes, or obviously he was, he was filmed on the uh, tennis court. There's pictures of it, but uh, they did not deny it, but they only wanted to know if there were any photos of him being in the restaurant, which leads me, which would lead one to believe that, yes, he was at the restaurant, but, uh, you know, we're not going to say anything unless there's photographic proof that, you know, he was in the restaurant. Um, you know, we saw... The backlash um, that Rudy Gobert received, uh, you know, he's a player on the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Uh, when he touched the reporter's cell, when he joked around, and this was before everything got shut down and we were quarantined. And shortly after that is what, you know, is when it really spread and everything. But we saw Rudy Gobert joke around, touching all the reporters' cell phones uh, at the uh, media session. And now Rudy Gobert puts out kind of the same thing. Oh, I tested positive for COVID-19. I'm going to a restaurant. I'm going to uh, play tennis. I'm not going to wear a mask, uh, you know, and everything like that. I mean, should he be receiving more backlash considering the backlash that Gobert received? I think he should because we know more now about COVID-19 than we did then when Rudy Gobert did it and we're taking precautions and wearing masks and everything. And, you know, at, at the very least, if he was going to go out in public, he could say, I tested positive for COVID-19, but now I'm symptom free. It was over two weeks ago. And people would understand that. But just saying, I tested positive for COVID-19 and then going to a restaurant where you can infect other people there, going out and playing tennis where you can infect other people there. I mean, that's, to me, that is almost, that is irre that is idiotic it's irresponsible and he should be slammed for it you know we're uh, still talking about jabari parker right uh jabari parker yes yeah yep um because i'm i was it i was curious apparently luke walton who's the head coach of yep. the kings said that parker was cleared to end his self isolation okay and so but I don't know if this happened. This article came out yesterday. 
on ESPN. I don't know mm-hmm. if that happened yesterday and it got reported right away or yeah. this has happened for a while because he was out in public and he should still yeah. be wearing a mask for crying out loud. But I agree. You know, you know, I don't see the problem. You know, personally, tennis is more of a spaced out game unless you're playing yeah. – if you're playing singles at least. So. Yeah. I don't see a problem with playing ten- tennis. Without the mask is one thing, and I know it's a little hard to breathe yeah. playing sports. Yeah. But, you know, um, I can see why people are worried because a good amount of Kings players, such as Alex Lennon, Buddy Heald, also tested positive, and they're still recovering from it. And Jabari Parker just needs to be careful. You know, the Kings probably aren't going to make the playoffs this year, but they still they're one of the 22 teams so they got a shot yeah you know they're not mathematically out of it but so and Jabari Parker is still a good player he hasn't lived up to the draft type so but he's still a good role player he shouldn't you know he should be care he should be real careful so he doesn't for himself and for other people yeah I I completely agree um like I said, I understand if you're playing a sport or whatever. If you're symptom-free and you don't know the virus, you know, that's fine to be out uh, playing whatever sport you want to play. And, you know, I'm fine with that. Uh, as things start to open up in different places across the country, some places, you know, Florida, Texas, et cetera, Arizona, et cetera, are spiking right now. So there I would be a little bit more cautious uh, around here. Um, in New Jersey, things are calming down a little bit, so um, it's fine to go out and you know enjoy, uh, you know enjoy life in a park or you know play some yeah. sports or whatever, and and that's fine as long as you're symptom free. But you know, uh, definitely when you're not playing the sport, if you're outside, you know, uh, probably should put on a mask or uh if you're not exerting yourself that type of thing you know it's important because it can protect you as well as it can protect as well as it can protect others too you know exactly. so you're not only looking out for yourself but you're looking out for others and their families and their friends etc um uh speaking of masks uh i don't know if people caught this one but uh in Knox County, Tennessee, uh, the Board of Health voted seven to one to mandate a mask ordinance, not a bad thing to do, uh, for anyone inside certain buildings. So, you know, if it's, um, I guess, uh, they didn't specify the exact buildings that they, people would be required to wear a mask in, but in this, what is happening right now, I, you know, I will go along with the ordinance. But unfortunately, there was only one person who put in a no vote, who uh, said, no, this would not be good uh, to mandate that if people go into these buildings, whatever those buildings are, that people are required to wear a mask. And if you're not wearing a mask, you can't come in. Uh, That lone vote uh, that was against this was by Mayor Glenn Jacobs. And for people who don't know who... Glenn Jacobs is, uh, before becoming mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, he played the role of Kane, the Undertaker's brother within the WWE. And uh, for a long period of that character, not the entire duration, but for a long period of that character's uh, 
appearances within the WWE. Kane wore a mask. So you figured if there was one person who would vote for a mask audience, a mask ordinance, it would be Kane. It would be Mayor Glenn Jacobs, but he was a one lone abstaining vote out of this. Um, I don't think, you know, I can't understand uh, Kane's, Glenn Jacobs' rationale on this. I mean, you know, I think if it's only, you know, it's not every building, it's certain buildings. And, you know, you don't want anything spiking. You don't want anything getting out of control. Maybe Knoxville, Tennessee doesn't have the spiking that the rest of the towns or the country has right now. But even so, you want to protect your people in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, Knox County, Tennessee. You want to protect your people. So I don't see what the big deal in it, deal with it is. I think it would help people, protect them. And I don't know why he would vote against us. And it's surprising to me that he would be the one dissenting vote. I don't. I can't tell. I can't tell yeah. you why either. Um, you know, thankfully, his vote really didn't matter in the end. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, um, I'm glad to see that, and uh, we'll wrap up with uh, this story. Seventy uh, Sixers, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, are investigating. Uh, some racism and bullying accusations uh, right now. They're doing an internal investigation. Uh, we haven't heard anything from the NBA as a whole, but the Sixers are currently conducting an internal investigation uh, made by former dance team member Yanni Coleman. So you can look up Yanni Coleman and uh, you can see her bullying act accusations against the Sixers dance team. Uh, she claims uh, she went to members of the Sixers organization um, and nothing was done at that point. So now uh, she's leveling charges against the, she came out on social media. So uh, you can uh, Google her, you can go on Twitter and you can see her, uh, what she posted on social media. Um, should the Sixers be doing a little bit more at this point, Joe, or do you think just, or should the NBA as a whole uh, be stepping in there and saying, you know, we're going to investigate this as well and see what comes out of it? Because they were pretty damaging. If uh, she went to members of the organization, members in the front office, and nothing was done, that's really damaging um, against the Sixers organization. Um. It's hard with something like this. I would yeah. probably let the team deal with this. You know, it's their problem, even though um, if, you know, I don't, if something more, the Sixers find something in their investigation and the NBA wants to take action, um, unless the Sixers yeah. do, then I wouldn't, then I wouldn't be against it. I just think that in this case, you know, the Sixers should um, the Sixers should handle this on their own. Uh, not to, you know, this of course has happened to a dancer. This could yeah. be spread to. This could be spread to um, to the the coaching staff or the players. What happens on the court? Yeah, and um, you know that we. Obviously, when we had something like this with Donald Sterling, the NBA took action. Um, and 
unless something comes more of this investigation, I would let the 76ers deal with this for now. Yeah, I would probably do the same thing, but if I'm the 76ers ownership, I'm really doing a deep dive into this, uh, kick it over every rock, every stone that I can possibly uncover because uh, now let me also state that this wasn't a current member of the Sixers cheerleading squad or cheer team. Uh, this happened years ago, mm -hmm. um, but it's just coming to light now. Um, but as, as a Sixers organization, um, I would kick over every rock, every stone, because you don't want this blown up and becoming an even bigger story uh, than, it already, than it already may be. You don't know if the claims are true or false or not. So, yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I would hold off if I was uh, the NBA. But also, if I was the NBA, I would kind of look at the Sixers' investigation of this and see if I can mandate any rules for other uh, dance squads across the NBA as well. Like say, okay, we don't want this happening in other organizations. So I'm going to learn from the Sixers and I'm going to say, uh, put out a memorandum and say, these are going to be certain rules that we expect your cheer squads to adhere to. Exactly. You know, I, I think that would be beneficial to the NBA. Like if an accusation is made at any point in time, you must take action immediately. Uh, you can't, and if you're, and put some, put some bite behind it too. If anything happened, if is it found out that the cheer member uh, who was bullied or, um, you know, uh, or who experienced racism or anything like that, and it is found to be true, and you did not take action, put some bite behind it if you're exactly. the NBA. You know, here are the rules that we expect you to adhere to, and if you don't, and there's a credible accusation behind it, well, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to forfeit money. You're going to forfeit a draft pick, you know, or picks or something like that. Put some real bite behind it, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's to prevent something like this from happening in the future, forcing teams to not bury it. That you know, hey, you know, if we don't take action in some way, shape, or form, if it is credible, then we must take action, or else we're going to forfeit uh, maybe draft picks or, and be fined or something like that. You know, put a little, put some teeth behind it. You know. Yeah. You know, I think that would be a good way for the NBA to kind of operate, too, and to protect, you know, the uh, cheer squads and everything like that, you know. But, uh, you know, uh, we want to wish everybody a happy uh, July 4th weekend. We hope uh, you, your family, and friends are happy, healthy, and safe during the course of this weekend. Uh, any plans for the weekend, Joe? Or just um, hanging out at home, having a barbecue? Um probably just hanging out maybe maybe i don't know we have limited options yeah maybe if there's um maybe if there's anything going on downtown something outside maybe i'll go to that i don't know maybe i'll just i might just celebrate at home usually i watch baseball on july 4th but yeah you know. and that should have been an option it, you know and i'll i'll tell you that you know if yeah. baseball had been uh 
smart about things. I mean, how great would it have been this weekend to be watching actual baseball games? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, it's not. So I'll find something. I'll yep. find something to do. What's on the menu at Sports Skilly? Local and national sports talk that's always fresh in season and FDA approved. If it's hot, you'll find it cooking Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. on 920 a.m.